Hey there. With the winter holidays coming up here shortly, I want to give one, uh, I'm not going to say a last reminder, but one more reminder about our tip jar link. If you go to duckfeed.tv slash tip jar and use the Amazon links there, you can do the regular Amazon shopping that you're going to do, possibly for wintertime gifts or whatever holiday you observe. Um, and when you buy stuff through that link, we get a small cut of the proceeds of whatever you buy. Uh, this makes a surprisingly big difference for us. Um, and we really appreciate everybody who takes the extra step. So once again, that is duckfeed.tv slash tip jar. Thanks. Welcome to Radio Free Midworld, a podcast about the Dark Tower series of books by Stephen King. My name is Cole Ross, and today I am joined by Evan Jones Thorne. Hello, Cole. Hey, welcome. One and all, and also welcome you, Evan. It's us rocking it two style tonight. Yes, um, I, I am Evan. I am your permanent co-host on Radio Free Midworld. Just me and Cole and no one else <laughs> oh, forever. Everybody tries to edge out the Greers. I don't understand just, why that happens. Just me and my best friend Cole and no fucking Greers. <laughs> See, that's one of my favorite tricks that uh, <laughs> that's one of my favorite tricks that Brayton pulls. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, I, uh, I was the... really hoping you weren't going to put me on blast for aping Brayton's goof. <laughs> It's so good. So people who listen to season one will remember Brayton. And obviously, if you're not listening to Teenage Dirtbags on the network, then what are you doing with your life? But it was yeah. like uh, I, I it was well before I actually met Brayton in person. He came on, I think, like Bonfireside Chat or something like that as a as a guest. And it was delightful. And at the end, you just said like, oh, so same time next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I want to say I want to say it was on Abject Suffering the first time that he was on that. Has he been on that more than once? I've been on a couple, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the the Cool World one, I, I think it was that one. But uh-huh. uh, at the very beginning, it was like uh, said something about like, uh, and I'm I'm your co-host, Brayton Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> Just insinuating himself. Like, yeah. Yeah. Which I uh, that that speaks volumes about Brayton's something i'm not sure what exactly. <laughs> it's, a, it's it's a very good joke because he like he knows his audience he knows he, he knows that uh uh at least i uh and, and gary by extension are kind of averse to conflict so it's like uh oh <laughs> confrontation yeah uh, oh man brayton's yeah. a good guy this is it's a good chapter true. of this book a good handful this of chapters is this is a good good section of a very interesting book in this series yeah it's I I didn't know how I felt about it the first time I read it. Yeah? Like, I I liked it, but I wasn't sure... I, I guess I wasn't sure how I felt about it in context. Right. So the, you, this is your second your second appearance on this season uh, for, the, for, for this book. You were also on the first episode um, where it was, like, in the present, where they defeated Blaine. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Which is... That is... Just that that might be like my favorite overall just segment of the Dark Tower series. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, like just when it is when it is shading from uh, from the wastelands into this. Yeah. Yeah. What what you're describing has been has been kind of the arc 
for this. Um, we record these pretty, you know, pr- pretty far apart from each other. So it's going to be kind of hard. You like people who are listening all in a row are going to say, you guys were just talking about this. But the arc of this book has been pretty much like, yeah, when I first read this, I didn't know how I felt about the flashback. Like, it just felt like it was a real disruption to pacing. And on revisit, understanding how this fits into the overall into the overall story like yeah no like this great on a second on a second go yeah and i i still i'm still kind of torn on how i feel about its effect on the pacing Mm -hmm. um part of me has always wished that uh that wizard and glass had been like two-thirds in the present and one-third flashback yeah yeah do like a uh um, a little bit of uh, what he did with the the wind through the keyhole. Yeah. Well, I haven't read that one yet. Ah, shit. Well, you're going to get to I'm... read it soon. And boy, you're in yeah. for a treat. Well, <laughs> you just spoiled it for me now, so I don't think I'm going to even bother. <laughs> well, you know, it's like, you know, it, because, because of when it was written and where it takes place, you know that it can't be. Ah, oh, geez. I didn't think I could spoil that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I really do enjoy the backstory to, uh, Roland and Gilead and that entire world that has moved on. Mm-hmm. And and I really love getting more of that, but I, I don't know. I keep kind of wishing that it was a little more spread out. Yeah. Yeah. I've... And a little bit less uh, young love centric. Right. Even though that's like, we'll get to that. Then that's significant and important and worth spending time on. Yeah. It, so even even the kindest read of this book, the person who um, you know enjoys it enjoys it the most, uh, would not be able to say like, yeah, every part of this moves along at a really like sprightly clip. There's an awful lot of like establishing what is going on in Hambry and a lot of oh, you know kind of yeah. laying out the players and the conspiracy. But when this sprightly thing... is not a word that I would use with this one, <laughs> no, no. But like around this point especially when the conflict between Roland and Cuthbert comes to a head um, and the stuff that happens with Rhea happens with Rhea. Like we're on a, like the, like the, the, the rails are going to be greased, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, shit, shit does go down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's, uh, let, let's get to it because um, it, at first glance, it seems like not a lot happens. Like a lot of it is uh, kind of simmering. And a lot of uh, let's say Sturm and drawing between people, but um, yeah. um, last time uh, Roland and Susan finally gave in to Ka and their love for each other, and they consummated their physical relationship. Um, hey, hey, hey! Let's <laughs> let's keep it clean. We can save that for uh, Whew, for the after dark the, uh, version. Yeah, when things get a little blue, Whoa. Whew, they 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 consummated their physical save, relation. Save that for Heartbeat City. Whew, yeah, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is a problem because you know Susan was promised to the Larry David esque mayor of this uh, town that they're in. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh God, how did I never picture him as Larry David? That's amazing. <laughs> That's exactly how they describe them. And now I know you oh. haven't listened to uh, listen to the recent ones because everybody has had that exact same reaction. <laughs> yeah, I I've, I told you before we started recording. I am so behind on podcasts. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I'm 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 happy uh, to hear your reaction to that. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that is so perfect. Yeah. Uh, but that's one trap that is ready to be sprung. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, it's also it's also a problem uh, because 
are, aren't gunslingers uh, much like Jedi generally not supposed to have relationships like that unless they're like getting married and starting a family? I, I think it's less priest like than that. It's it's less because I mean, like, I, like Stephen and uh, Gabrielle are married and stuff. I, I have no idea what their like what the strictures are. You know, yeah, if it has I, I to know, be maybe, completely court- maybe that's like just that. headcanon for me. But um, yeah. I, I always kind of got the feeling that gunslingers were like they they weren't supposed to date. They were just kind of supposed to the, get married and further their line. Right. That that it would have been a little bit more arranged or a little bit more like they're presented as knights. So you would you would. <laughs> I think you're well within reason to imagine them being more courtly than that. But like, yeah, no, like so, definitely not supposed to like have a thing with a girl in a town that they met. Well, well, yeah, also, yeah. Also, you're not. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're also probably not supposed to put your entire mission in danger, which is what he's doing. Oh well, yeah. There's that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. I, neither neither Alan nor Cuthbert seem to be like saying like, oh, but you're you're shirking your vows or anything like that. Like that is that is nowhere in the uh uh the accusations that they are levying at Roland. That's true. You know they they you, you I, I we we haven't really talked. I know I've I've said that I I appreciate that you pronounce it Cuthbert instead of Cuthbert because yeah that, that second one just feels bad on on the mouth and the ears. Um, but you. You, you say uh, Alan rather than Elaine? I go back and forth. Yeah, okay. uh, uh, Alan or Elaine. Yeah, uh, I've, I, I've I, always I, I've always gone with Elaine. Um, yeah, I, I, I haven't. I don't think I've listened to uh, one of the audiobooks where where his name has come up, so I don't have mm. any reason not to. Yeah, for, for Frank Moeller pronounces it somewhere in between the two, but I I, I can't. It's it's kind of like pronouncing a French word the right way. I just can't do it. Yeah, Frank Muller has a way with pronunciation that is. <laughs> well, he's, he's it a, is. He, he was a he was a fucking pro. And... Yeah, it's it's incredible. Like I wish I could say any word <laughs> as well as he does. Yeah, yeah, it's so, amazing. Yeah, and then G- G- George Guadal is the one who goes uh, Cuthbert. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if that's from direction or not. You know, I need to. So the the audiobook version of Went Through the Keyhole is read by Stephen King, which is a bone of contention for some people. However. Um, you do get his actual canonical uh, pronunciations off of it, so I need to oh. I need to pay extra attention to see how I, how he pronounces Cuthbert. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I'm I am very curious on that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Minutia. So, <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. It's uh, you know it's it's fun to walk down these little uh, side paths here. Um, but yeah, like so that's one problem. Uh, Susan has promised to somebody else. They've got these other people, these big coffin hunters, this, these uh, kind of dark reflections of the gunslingers themselves, tightening their noose and learning about the boy's true nature, again, because they are here uh, kind of under false pretenses. And also we have that nasty old witch who watches things through her orb. Um, yeah, lots of I, uh, yeah. lots of peril happening. I I really hope that in the extremely unlikely event that we get some sort of uh, film or televised version of Wizard and Glass, that uh, Rhea of the Coos is played by Rhea Perlman. Oh, shit. Not not only because they have the same name, and so I imagine it would be very easy for her on set to respond when people said their lines. Because, right. 
like, you know, I know one of the hardest parts of being an actor is someone says a name that's not yours and you're supposed to react to it. Okay, when I call you Mr. Thompson um, and stomp on your foot, you say hello. Yeah, exactly. And also ow. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but, but just like I have always kind of pictured Rhea as a Rhea Perlman mm-hmm. type and specifically like present day <laughs> Like she, she, she has not, to be not re- Carla from Cheers, but present day kind of wizened and weathered Rhea Perlman. She, she has to be like retired as fuck and just kind of like trying to tolerate Danny DeVito. Oh, she's she's on the Mindy Project. Oh, is she? I don't yeah, watch she's, the Mindy. she's it. That, that's a uh, <laughs> Radio Free Midworld brought to you by the Mindy Project. Uh-huh. That's that's a lie. They're not giving us any money, um, <laughs> but it's it's a very good show. Mm-hmm. And. Rhea Perlman is has a, a recurring guest spot on it, and she's fantastic. Oh, nice! Yeah. yeah. Oh, she's very active. Yeah, no, Rhea Perlman's a delight. No, she would definitely have the uh, uh, the bearing and the countenance for it, the stature. Yeah. I guess I'm trying to yeah. say is I picture her being very short, and I picture Rhea being very short. Yeah, but but also Rhea Perlman has like a, a very odd sort of gravitas. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's Not- very- not dissimilar from Danny DeVito, oh, true. actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, both of them kind of grab onto you. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 not just that they are both uh, very short. Um, <laughs> they're 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 both like phenomenally talented and mm-hmm. and very underrated actors with with this very odd, strange charisma and gravitas. <laughs> and and I feel like seeing Rhea Perlman in more dramatic stuff, and specifically as like a fantasy villain like this would be really fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, who knows where we're going to get that ad- adaptation. I mean, we didn't. Oh, I'm, we... I am assuming not. Right. Right. As much as I would love it. And as much as I'm, I'm holding out hope against hope. I we're not, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Who knows? They, they dropped the ball way too much with that movie. Yeah. This, they, they screwed that particular pooch. Yeah. Oh well, I'm still I'm still considering like asking for that DVD for uh um for Christmas or the yeah, the, the Blu-ray so I can see the special features. I I will probably pick it up once it hits the bargain bins. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to pay more so, than like, like 15 bucks for it, but yeah. So so like <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Oh, poor Idris Elba. Um. Anyway, so this section begins. Uh, the section called "Come Reap." Uh, we're dividing this into three little parts here. Begins with a chapter called yeah. Beneath the Huntress Moon. Um, and having established kind of the first, you know, the, the the first physical part of their relationship, I think Stephen King does something really wise here, which is like, you know, I'm actually not going to give you an awful lot of details about every time they meet and screw. Yes. Um, <laughs> just like understand that this is happening and this is an issue. I love the yes. way that he that he kind of waves us away. As with any other strong drug, uh, true first love is is really only interesting to those who have become its prisoners. So Roland yes. kind of takes a back seat because his real priority here is Susan. Yes, and that that is that is one of my very very favorite. I guess I'd call it a workaround for for that particular trope of just like two two young characters falling in love for the first time mm-hmm. and, and how it tends to just be like over dramatized and over romanticized and frequently over sexualized and right generally just 
kind of obnoxious. Mm -hmm. And Stephen King is just telling us like, yep, that's what happened. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, it's it's really good uh, narrative economy. Yeah, you know, it's uh, fantastic. Uh, again, understanding this is not a, a very sprightly paced book, um, but, you know, like the, the the will they won't they is the important part. And, you know, now that the pieces are in place, like you <laughs> now that we know they will. <laughs> right. Now that now that's a place he understands like, hey, this conspiracy is moving forward, yes. you know, and we're going to we're going to focus on the consequences as opposed to the thing itself. Yes. You know. Which which puts this again squarely back in the realm of being a western as opposed to being, you know, ro romantic, right? Yeah, which I I appreciate that he he kind of used the the romantic conventions to to convey that particular uh, plot point and character development, mm -hmm. but didn't stick with it. Right. Just hit that. Say Susan is Roland's first tower. And there you go. Uh, observe the parallels and you're good. Yeah. 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 So they've been in Hanbury and Magus for a while. You know, summer is turning into fall. The harvest is beginning. Remember, the deadline for them is the Reap Festival, the Halloween Festival. Um, you know, and Roland and Susan continue meeting up, sleeping with each other, not understanding that let's be careful doesn't mean let's not do this let's be careful just means let's pretend we won't get caught <laughs> yeah 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 and that i mean that's never gone wrong for anyone right <laughs> yep but they can't they can't help themselves <laughs> but yeah they're using uh. shimi as a go-between they're doing dead drops and stuff it's real real cloak and dagger and What's strange is, with one exception of Aunt Cordelia, and then and then obviously uh, Elaine and Cuthbert, um, you know, nobody would have been the wiser, except for the fact that you know we do have Rhea in play, who can who who can see them and and, and did see them. Yes. Yeah. Um, Elaine and Cuthbert, they they pretty much just like they watch their friends dissolve in front yeah. of them like Cuthbert yeah, describes him as like oh it's he's like a revolver that's been thrown in the water yeah and th this is th this particular segment of the story it's pretty brief but it's it's always kind of made uh an impression on me because the whole time like Roland is the steadfast one he is the rock mm -hmm. like Elaine is kind of like he's he's got the touch, he's got the shine, whatever. Right. Um he's he's very, very much the emotional one of the trio. Cuthbert right. is is very much uh he uses humor as a survival mechanism. Yeah. And um you know, the, our first introduction to Cuthbert is that he died laughing. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. But Cuthbert also has like a like a real <laughs> he's he's rational to a fault. Yes, which is which is funny and kind of a kind of a contrast to the I'm gonna you know I'm gonna laugh <laughs> kind of yeah. side of this like yeah he, he well, really and, does and use reason a lot and 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 as um as Eddie's character develops throughout the series like it's so interesting because Eddie does not start out as a rational character but he takes that on as it goes on right which is I. I I, I already I've already talked about how much I fucking love Eddie Dean as a character. Oh, for sure. Um, but but like Roland has always been like the sensible one. Like he has been 
the the cool head. Mm-hmm. And yeah. now he's <laughs> just kind of checked out. Yeah, he's he, he he's distracted. You know, there, yeah. there there's there's really no other way to put this. Um, yeah. you know, his 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 priorities lie elsewhere you know and remember the situation they're in yes they're here to kill time but they have uncovered something that is not just dangerous to them you know the big coffin hunters and whoever they represent on john farson's side but dangerous to the rest of (laughs) the rest of the affiliation to all of their family back home you know cuthbert and elaine are trying to you know force him like hey we need to do something about this and Roland is operating as though none of that is happening. We're here to kill time because that lets me send you guys off to go count nets or whatever while I, you know, am over here with this cute, cute young woman, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So this is going to be kind of the, pr- the primary conflict of this of this section is, you know, as we kind of learn uh, the the depth and kind of shape of Cuthbert's jealousy, which I think is is is, is really interesting in a, in a way. But right now, like they are worried that their leader is as distracted as he is, and Alan is trying to say like, "Oh, it's Ka, whatever." Cuthbert's having none of it. It's almost uncomfortably intimate in a strange way, where you're you're looking in at three close friends having a very dysfunctional moment, right? Yeah, I mean, three three close friends, you know, they're practically brothers, you know, and watching watching this incredibly personal conflict and <laughs> just basically watching fraternal love butt up against and create sparks against romantic love is is a really interesting conflict, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I love like you know <laughs> Elaine gets so stressed out that he uh rolls a smoke and Cuthbert says oh your dad would kill you if he saw you doing that um and here's here's this quote which is uh for pretty resoundingly tragic you know King just as the narrator is describing like saying oh by the time of the following years Huntress came around but you know basically by this time next year um all three of them would be confirmed smokers tanned young men with most of the boyhood slapped out of their eyes yeah. <laughs> oh God! Don't grow up. Never grow up. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess at the very least, don't don't smoke and don't go tanning. Yeah. Oh, I mean, obviously, and don't don't get slapped. Like don't... I don't. know, Every part of that just makes me so sad. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> oh, gosh, the all like the but like most of the boyhood slapped out of their eyes. Like there's just enough there. There's just yeah. enough of their youth. Um, you know, and knowing what we know about what's going to happen uh, in the immediate to near term future. Yeah. Well, um, we, we know what happens to the rest of it. Yeah, we do. Uh, it's it's <laughs> it's a it's a foregone conclusion. So it's a little bit yeah. of a uh, it's a little bit of a relief even to learn that uh, Cuthbert and Elaine are going to uh, survive even that long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, on the, on the other side of town, um, Kimba Reimer is meeting with the big coffin hunters. Remember Kimba? He's the uh, he's the old Dr. Death guy. He's the, the, the really kind of wiry, creepy looking dude. He's the chancellor. Uh, he's kind of running most of this stuff. Like he is the point man for the conspiracy. Like the mayor, Hart Thorin, is really distracted in his own way. You know, like he just wants his payment and all of his concern is spent you know, playing with himself, thinking about Susan, 
Yeah. Um, he's in 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 so many ways. He's literally just a figurehead who somebody told him the right thing, and he said, "Yeah, sure, go ahead. <laughs> Whatever. Will I get money from this? Okay. Yeah. Um, doesn't doesn't reflect on the current state of our political system at all. No, no. It's I definitely mean, not. So, I mean, obviously, anybody associated with the red is a is, is, is a bastard." because of how, how, how high up and how bad that goes. But um, like the mayor, you know, it's established like Susan says, yeah, we really don't think about the affiliation that much. Like I could, I could see a point of view from somebody who was as careless as, as, as Hart Thorin is, you know, saying like, uh, it doesn't matter. They don't have any real bearing on our life. I'm going to let this happen as long as I have my own little, you know, piece of, my own little piece of the kingdom to just kind of like fuck around in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not trying to be like a, like a mayor or Thorne apologist or whatever. Um, no, but it's, it's, it is, it's one of those things that's almost uncomfortably relatable. Uh huh. And that's, I feel like that's, that's something that is kind of one of Stephen King's signatures is he'll create these Sometimes they're awful people and sometimes they're regular people who are party to awful things. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's something just just horrifyingly relatable about them. Yeah, yeah. There's a line somewhere in here because um, actually there, there's a bit of a parallel between between Hart Thorin and Coral Thorin, you know, the uh, the the owner of the of the bar of the Traveler's Rest. Like Coral has her own kind of trouble wrapped up in all of this. She's, you know, talking about like, okay, it's a bird in the hand versus however many. Like, I'll take the bird in the hand, even if the bird in my hand pecks at me and shits all over me. You know, like, yeah, <laughs> Hart is taking the bird in the hand. Um, you know, all of the problems because he knows what's going to benefit him. So it's not again. It's the difference between, um, uh, oh gosh, um, uh, an empath, an empathetic character and a sympathetic character. Like you can understand it, even if you're not like, oh, I, I'm totally like down with it. And also yeah. all the like horrible shit. He buys a person, so yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, <laughs> let that not be forgotten. Yeah, I. That's bad. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, but he's being manipulated by this kind of completely amoral guy. Kimber Reimer's no good. Was what we're finding out. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, he's 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 kind of the mastermind, right? And he wants Jonas to go, you know, tighten the noose even further, like go check out the bar K where these, where these little in world shits are living, um, and figure out what they're hiding. Um, <laughs> I love this scene with, uh, with, with, with Jonas. Sorry. Like, I, I don't mean to cut you off. I just, uh, just a, a moment of stunt casting inspiration. Okay. Uh, if in, in the same movie where Rhea Perlman plays Rhea, uh, I feel like Kimba Reimer would almost have to be played by Sam Elliott. Oh yeah, I think I think Sam Elliott's a little bit too wholesome. That's why though. That's okay. why it would be. That's why it would be so oh, he would, good. Yeah, I, I I was so I I was going for a similar kind of gruffness. Um, I'm thinking like. Whatever that, whatever movie um, J.K. Simmons got really buff for, let's get him back to that, or like really wiry, oh, or like a yeah. like, like Oz era J.K. Simmons. I think would be would be. The, I could yeah. I could see that. Yeah, I don't know. Just something about I, has Sam Elliott ever played a villain? Oh, I'm positive he has. 
I can't think if, if he has, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, if he has, please like tweet at me, uh, at Mr. Underscore harder. <laughs> I genuinely want to know because yeah. that would be pretty fucking incredible. Yeah. I, I know Sam Elliott from three roles where he looms large in my mind. Obviously the big Lebowski, uh, when yep. he played the Marlboro man and thank you for smoking. And yep. obviously, um, uh, the bizarro world, Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec. Oh yes, yeah. Like that—that—that the, the, that is my Sam Elliott canon. Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> like I know him from a couple of other things, but if if you asked me to name something, it would be one of those three that popped to mind. <laughs> yep. Oh man, <laughs> but but I love this because like Jonas says, like, all right, well, whatever flavor of treason you want, and like Reimer. You know, even though he is completely immoral, like he does not take kindly to that. He doesn't want to be called a traitor, even though he totally is. Oh yeah, <laughs> I just I, I love the uh, the indignation of the uh, of the falsely <laughs> principled. Let's call it that. Yeah. Again, no no <laughs> relevance to present day America. I'm not a puppet. You're a puppet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. Oh, so. if you have something to say about that, do not tweet at me. No, don't at me. I need to. We need to. We just need to make a shirt that says "Don't at me." Um, God, yeah, <laughs> I'm writing that down in my notebook. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, that's happening over there. We understand that uh, uh, that piece is going to be moving. Meanwhile, uh, Rhea uh, again over in the coos, uh, our witch woman is kind of angry that her plan to make Susan cut her hair after she lost her virginity. Uh, did not happen. Roland stopped her. She didn't see this. All she reads it as is complete insolence. So she decides, let's make things interesting. Um, well, that comes later. She's so angry that she can't use the glass. And she is in full-on addict mode at this point. She has been for a very long time. But, like, you know, the glass will not turn on. And she is screaming to no one in particular or at the glass itself, how can I make it like it was? Tell me, tell me. Like, she does not understand, you know, what is uh, the relation between any of these pieces. Yeah, which that always kind of throws me just like how much power she's throwing around and how little she understands about it. Mm -hmm. Like every time I read this book, I'm always kind of surprised when I, I get to that. And it's it's not dissimilar from um, Sylvia Pitson um, in The Gunslinger, who's kind of comes up in this book, too. Mm -hmm. um, but but just like having command of this terrible power and knowing what it can no, knowing some of what it can do, but not the extent and not why. Right. And that's it's you kind of you, you kind of even get that with. um with uh what are we calling him walter yeah let's let, let's go with walter walter man of yeah. black uh yeah. martin any of those yeah yeah um just you know when 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 he's having his palaver with roland and he, he doesn't know a whole bunch of really important stuff yeah well and that's also i mean we're, we're gonna we're gonna find out later on in this but like randall flag's whole deal like there is no discipline. There is no like understanding of the provenance from which they're from which this stuff comes. They are just these the, the these people who grab onto the tiger and do not do not know how to either control it or let go. Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, like, and Rhea's being taken for a ride here, too. I mean, like, when Shimi goes to see her later, like, it's described, like, her face is covered in sores. She's missing most of her teeth. Most of her hair is gone. You know, she's not eating. She's not sleeping. Um, you know, she didn't have an awful lot of, uh, was it, Hank Hill calls it, uh, health assets <laughs> uh, to, be, to begin with, being an older woman. Uh, but she is thoroughly going down the tubes. Um, both uh, psychologically and physically, and that's really going to come to a head. Uh, going on to the next chapter here, uh, The Girl at the Window. Uh, it's a short one, but uh, it is consequential. So some time passes, and Rhea gets this idea for her revenge. She knows what to do, and the, the plan begins by realizing that she is out of graph, out of that delicious, delicious apple beer. Um, and so she decides to send Musty down, not just with an order, but also a request that'll pay off a little bit later. Um, and uh, back with the boys, Roland's kind of like, yeah, let's just kind of continue counting nets. I don't know. Like just we'll get to the drop eventually. <sighs> Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty relatable when you've got a job that, you know, is mostly bullshit, busy work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, what is it? Elaine says, uh, uh, I don't mind working hard, but I don't like working for no reason. Yeah. Yep. Same. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cuthbert's furious because uh, uh, he, you know, he he knows what Roland's up to, right? You know? Yeah. And we we, we get a little bit of a shade of what Cuthbert's whole deal is. We, you know, we, we get some insight into what his thought process. He says, like, why do you always have to be first? Why does it always have to be you? You know, not only is he upset that he is losing his best friend, you know, like in in that teenage way of like, oh, you're not spending as much time with me. Um, but also like, you know, I, I, I wanted her. Like, why does the why does the prettiest woman I've ever I've ever seen have to end up with you? Right. And well, and, you know, why do you always have to be first? Like he was the first to get his guns. He was mm-hmm. the first to like. That's kind of that that is a recurring thing. Right. And and a lot of it uh, has to do, I think, with Roland's just general refusal to deal with nonsense, uh-huh. uh, which makes all of the nonsense that he deals with for Susan that much more unsettling. It, it is making him act kind of out, out of character. He doesn't put up with any nonsense, kind of never has, but he will for Susan because he's making an exception because, you know love will change people at least situationally right yeah it uh it can make you pretty fucking dumb yeah or in this case i mean they say like oh it's making you blind yeah or (laughs) it it can make you all sorts of things yeah so (laughs) cuthbert has a better idea than just kind of like i don't know let's wait um which is we need to move on to the drop they're gonna think we're either idiots or we're hiding something um by not looking at what they're hiding so why don't we take a schedule to the sheriff and say, we don't want to inconvenience anybody. So here is the exact date and time that we're going to count every single ranch. And then in parentheses, which nobody can hear. So you guys can move stuff around that you don't want us to see. We really don't want to cause any trouble guys. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to be honest. Every single time I read this part where they're talking about like the logistics of counting stock, it's like the fucking, like the intricacies of intergalactic trade in the Star Wars prequels. Yeah, a little bit. Like I I know I've read it like 
four or five times and I just I have no thoughts on it. I don't care. Yeah. I feel like I skip it every time. <laughs> yeah. It's I mean like it, it's it's not that interesting but it's clever. Like it is a good it it is a good use of, you know, extending yourself, taking a step but also saying like all right, uh we're we're going to need to protect protect ourselves too. Um but yeah, the the idea that they are here to count stock and maintain their cover story. It's not that interesting. Um except they make this move and uh <laughs> both both Avery and uh um oh gosh Jonas see right through it they understand exactly what happens <laughs> so yeah so again in this game of castles in this game of chess in this game of battleship chess that they're playing uh everybody understands who is looking and peeking and you know all that so um Roland is uh, all in for this but hey why don't you guys go take that? And I'm going to be over here with... No, you need to do this because you're a fucking leader, man. <laughs> yeah, but but why don't why don't you guys just take care? I don't need to be there. I'll just, I'll um, just hang back. We, we can send Shimi. He's really good at carrying messages. <laughs> <laughs> it's so shameless. Yeah. <sighs> so they're headed over. And as Roland's riding along... He looks up and he sees Susan in her window at her house and she's framed beautifully and the light is hitting her just right. And it says this is the image of her that he's going to carry with him for the rest of his life. You know, this is even referred to in the uh, in the revised version of the gunslinger, you know, and he can't help himself but to start to blow a kiss. But he understands exactly how how problematic that would be. So he instead turns it into a jaunty little like a wave slash salute kind of thing. No harm, no foul, right? Nobody could see that um, and think that there was any more to it. You would have to be, uh, let's say, paranoid and crazy, possibly a little bit deranged and under a tremendous amount of stress to think that that would be um, anything of import, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Unfortunately. <laughs> oh, we have one of those? We have someone who is paranoid and deranged. Ah, dang. Uh, yeah, <laughs> fuck. Uh, in this case, she happens to be right. Right there. Whoopsie doodle. <laughs> like, the, 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 I love this because the steps that she has to take, I'm not throwing the word crazy around lightly, but the, but the steps that she has to take to connect this gesture with what she uh, accuses Susan of, they're they're so wild that only somebody in a in, in a very overextended situation would even do them. Oh yeah, I I don't I don't throw that word around lightly either. Um, I like her character yeah. is paranoid and crazy. Like yeah. that's Cord, that is a description. Cord is neither good nor well. No, no, like <laughs> she she is very much neither of those. Right. So this leads to a confrontation between Cordelia and Susan. Um, and, she, you know, like Cord's right. She's like, hey, you know, you need to swear to me that you're still pure. You need, you need to tell me that the that the deal is still on because this is, this is very important for our well-being. And Susan won't won't swear to it. She won't she won't just lie to it. Susan's, you know, Susan's stance is like you the, you don't have the right to force me to say that. Yeah. And. She's right, but 
Also, she <laughs> kind of fucked up by not lying, which is weird. Yeah. Like the, 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 the whole theme here, and this is summarized very well by Cuthbert later on, you know, you, like you're right for the wrong reasons and that makes you all the way wrong. You know? Yeah. Like just uh, the, the, there are a lot of people who are who are acting logically, but it is under a, it is under a premise that is not entirely, uh, let's say, constructive. Uh, nor conducive to their long-term survival. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so it's... yeah. Yeah. Mm. But, uh, but Susan's um, got a little bit of steel in her, right? She goes to leave, and with Gunslinger's eyes, everything becomes clear. She gets that coldness. She sees Cord ready to, like, go go upside her head. Like, she, she sees her in a reflection. She says, you know, raise it not. You know, raise it not, you bitch, is what is what Susan says. You know, yeah, tell, telling her not to raise her hand at her. Um, and Cordelia has the has the nerve to say, "Susan, how can ye call me so? What's so coarse in your tongue and regard for me?" Oh no, no, you know you're not no. gonna play this. Nope, no, <laughs> you don't get to. Homie, don't play that. <laughs> oh um, man, I, honestly, like the the thing about Susan having gunslinger's eyes has always kind of bugged me this little pat it's it it feels like like maybe two degrees away from some deus ex machina shit like yeah like why why does she have that like not not that not to say that she (laughs) isn't sexually transmitted that exactly like like (laughs) not not to say that like she shouldn't have some steel in her like that seems very much in keeping with the character But specifically saying that she sees with gunslinger's eyes, like, yeah. no, like, that's a thing where you, like, that that feels like a whole different thing. And, like, why can't she just be a badass in her own sort of way? Yeah. I mean. Like, I don't know. The, the, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not obviously not trying to be, like like a weird sexist douchebag about it but like just it it just feels kind of tossed in like oh like you know roland is clearly attracted to the fact that she's a gunslinger too it's like no yeah really hot and roland's into it like (laughs) right so i i take some solace in the fact that like even though even though this thing is given a name it's not a proper noun you know, it is not the force. It's not midichlorians. Like yes. he could have just said, you know, in, in you know, in, 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 a, in a fit of situational awareness, that wouldn't be unlike what Roland experiences in, you know, times of danger. Like that'd be a really clunky way of saying it. It would, it would still carry the same weight and be, it'd be a little bit less like eyebrow raising. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that that's, that's the way that I read it. It doesn't, it doesn't stick out that that much to me like she just you know has the adrenaline up right yeah no and and i guess if i'm being honest i that probably didn't register with me the first couple times i read through the book Mm -hmm. it's just something that i picked up on yeah i mean definitely definitely on this read and i think maybe the the one before it yeah well we're like we're we're reading it more with an eye for like broader connections and trying to understand oh, yeah. like the the ontology yeah, behind it. Yeah, we are we are nerding hard. Right. Which you know, if there's ever a venue for it, this might be it. We we, we made it. <laughs> we we <Yes>. created it. <laughs> yeah. Correct. <laughs> so, we're here. <laughs> yeah. Um but regardless, uh Susan yeah. puts cord down 
Um, and I already talked about, you know, Jonas and Sheriff Avery understanding the point of the schedule, like seeing right through it. And again, we are we are in this chess slash castles slash battleship uh, kind of uh, kind of metaphor. Um, yeah. You know, Jonas is talking to himself like, are you trying to play castles with me, Sprat? I'll make you rue the day. Jo- Jonas is just such an asshole the whole time. And I kind of hate it, but I also kind of love it. Oh, yeah. He is a very good villain. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I, I, I feel like I I kind of tend to uh, under underrate him. I guess. Well, he, I mean, he, like he, he's not like a huge presence across all of this. You know, no. But every time I'm actually reading this book, like when I'm not reading the book, I tend to kind of like forget and skip over. But whenever I'm actually reading this book, I'm like, man. Jonas is such a fucking bastard. Uh huh. It's great. Yeah. Like, it's he, so good. He's he's got this like mix of like both competence and obliviousness, where the yeah. dramatic <laughs> irony really works. Yeah, for me anyway. You know, um, yeah, definitely watching him try and like puzzle puzzle this stuff out and like getting you know like this this, this next chapter is pretty much the end. You know, it, it it is all the Jonas story, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. This chapter called "Playing Castles," you know, yeah. where he is. He is suffering this kind of insecurity. Like, okay, we know what the we know what the schedule's all about. Um, I don't really care about them counting horses. You know, flip some pages, flip some pages. However, this there's something that I'm missing here um, because they snuck up on me once, and it's not going to happen again. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> again, we get these little scene setting things. There's a protracted spell of bad weather, um, and Roland and Susan aren't able to see each other. So this gives us a chance to focus on Jonas and see what he's, what he's doing. Jonas goes out to the bar and he finds a distraught Cordelia. Like she's there not so much like drowning her troubles, but just trying to get out of the house. Um, and it's been established that she, you know, has a crush on Jonas. And so he uses this to her, you know, basically to his advantage first to kind of try and try to, to just manipulate her because it's fun um second because eventually she just says yes the thing i am worried about is will dearborn ding 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 here we go we have a winner you said the secret word <laughs> i'm 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 reaching for a peewee's playhouse joke and i it's just not there yeah uh, i don't have one either it's fine yeah <laughs> i'm not not quick enough yeah um, so <laughs> she kind of spills her guts and says like, I'm, I'm really, really worried that will, Dear- you know, will Dearborn being the, you know, false name, the alias that, uh, Roland is using here, really worried that he is involved with my niece and that's going to create all kind of problems. Like I'm worried that we'll be executed or sent West. Like this is a big deal. And, you know, Jonas, uh, kind of uses that to his advantage. Here's about this, gets more information, gets more dirt. Um, Rhea's watching this through her glass and we get this amazing like little sequence, this little, uh, uh, subheader where we find out that like the glass only ever shows her people at their worst moments. Yeah. It's so this, this whole moment is so unsettling. <laughs> it's like, you know, it, it's, it's all people in Hambry, but like it, she has, she's got a television and every time she changes the channel, you know, she sees somebody like poisoning their husband or committing an act of incest. She sees these kids who call themselves big coven hunters who mostly spend their time cutting the tails off of the dogs. So none of the dogs in town have tails anymore. 
which that I know it's just a book, but be nice to dogs. Yeah, I mean that's the thing we talk about on Watch Out for Fireballs quite a bit. Yeah, I know. It's you yeah. know it, it it sucks when you play a game and like oh I don't want to shoot that dog. I've definitely I've yeah. gotten a lot. I mean like it used to be like whatever no big deal. It's just a video game dog. It's gotten a lot harder to do that as I've gotten older, and I'm not like especially a uh, a dog person. You know. Yeah. The only the only time I don't mind shooting a video game dog is Resident Evil zombie dogs because fuck that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There there's not <laughs> there there's nothing really dog like about those things. Yeah, they are zombies first. This these dogs are not zombies. These are dogs. Yeah, they're just little puppers running around just, trying to make their just way. Dogs you know? and now they don't have tails and they can't wag them. Yeah. How can I? So tell you don't if know if they're happy? happy or not. How can I? How can I tell if he's happy Aww. or scared? Yeah. No. Uh, no good. Especially these little shits calling themselves big coffin hunters. Something's rotten. Something's rotten here, Evan. Yeah. Nah. Oh well. But just watching this, and we get that little, uh, that little insight, right? Um. Oh man, I lost my place. Sorry. Um. Jonas, you know, leaves this like he 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 throws he throws cord a bone, kisses her on the cheek, and you know she blushes. You know, red as a schoolgirl at this. Uh. But he's gotten what he wants out of her. You know, he he basically feels nothing for it. He rides away. Decides to go check out uh, Sitco, the oil patch, where he finds Lookout. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> Again, the noose titans. But this boosts his confidence. He understands, like, yes, they are on my tail. I know this situation. I can do this. Let me go get some. Cut to Coral Thorin, who's been a minor player up to this point. You know, she's the one who owns the uh, the, 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 the Traveler's Rest. Uh, and to cope with the stress of kind of what she knows is going on, what her brother's into, what basically everybody who has any power in this town is into, but she's been drinking a lot. This is where we get the, uh, the allusion to Sylvia Pitson. You remember the, uh, uh, the, yeah. the, cor- the corpulent, uh, kind of evangelist who went through the town of Tall, uh, who kind of caused, um, you know, I, I guess Roland ca- caused the, uh, the 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 complete destruction of Tall, but uh, she had a hand in that as well. Um, you know, <laughs> Coral, while nursing her hangover and her aching head, says, "Oh Jesus, uh, what went wrong?" You know, and you know, invoking the name of Jesus made her think of that. So um, we have Sheb, the um, we have <laughs> yeah, we we have Sheb, the uh, the, the the pianist. Uh, yep. We also have uh, Sylvia here. So we got some people who are knocking around because time is weird in Midworld. Uh, timey is why me, if you will. I was trying not to say that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's an original thing I just made up. Yep, it is. Um, just right you, now. You just, definitely won't say that for two years and then have people tell you it's cuff. from a thing. Yeah, yeah no, it's, def- it's not from a thing. That's why. <laughs> no one's ever said that before. <laughs> Oh man, uh, but her hangover. Oh man, have you ever been startled when you had a hangover? Like just oh, something—that's the worst. Like yeah. I, like everything already has like halos around it anyway, and you feel not just like you're going to die, but your entire essence is going to be obliterated. Just yeah, this feeling of impending doom. I put a lot of effort into not getting hungover. Now that like as as a thirty year old adult, yeah, yeah. Um, it, that is a priority of mine, mm-hmm. and on the rare occasions I fuck up and am hungover, I do everything in my power to avoid being startled by literally anything. <laughs> um, so if, if perchance a six-legged cat just kind of like hopped up and went, Row. no, thank you. No, no, that would be a bad thing. 
Yeah, you lose your shit. Yeah. Uh, but that's what happens to Coral. Uh, poor Coral. Um, yeah. yeah, Musty, Rhea's muty cat, shows up with a note saying, I'm dry, send the boy. Bring me the boy um, with his graph. So her plan is going uh, about set according to plan, but that makes absolutely no goddamn sense. <laughs> do we do we know what graph is specifically? It is described as an apple beer. I don't know if that is that makes it like a um, an apple flavored beer or if it is like a carbonated cider. That's that's kind of what I was wondering is like yeah. I know like. There, there are plenty of references to Apple Graph, but like, I was just wondering if there was any. Uh, yeah, I mean, what what side of that fence uh, we we fall on? Regardless, it sounds kind of tasty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'd I'd at least try it. Yeah, well, I mean, it gives that witch powers, so you know, couldn't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I could I could use some witch powers. Yeah, I you know just just in case. Just in case you need it, you know, just so you have it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's moving. Jonas, meanwhile, comes in again, sanguine, um, uh, after having made his find, uh, ends up sleeping with Coral. And in the morning, he gets up and cryptically says, all right, um, I'm going to need some paint and a dog's tail because I'm going to take this to their home. He doesn't say that last part. This gets us to kind of the climax here of this uh, of this section, Roland and Cuthbert. Um, where we get kind of some establishment here where there's been a little bit of this before too. Cuthbert is telling Roland, we need to send, if not for help, at least for advice, send our carrier pigeons, you know, to, to, to carry some kind of message saying that there's something more up. And Roland is pretty much always saying, oh, this isn't the right time. Right. Uh, and ultimately gives, you know, the, the final lame excuse, but we'll do it tomorrow if we, if we have a chance. But that's too late because along comes Jonas. Yeah. <sighs> and he, again, again with the animals. <laughs> I mean, like, so pigeons are majestic creatures that are only the things that we think about. The, the, the things that we think are gross about pigeons are our fault, you know? Well, Yes, but like I, I also live in Chicago. Okay, and I, I am. Be real careful on what you say next, because I like pigeons. I am a lot. happier. <laughs> I am happier to see rats than I am to see pigeons most times. Oh, if one shits on you, that's bad news. Yeah. yeah. That said, carrier pigeons are a different thing mm -hmm. because it's an animal with a job. Right. And I know, I know for a fact that on the DuckFeed network, as soon as you give something a job, it becomes cute. Oh, absolutely. That is, that is canonical uh, within DuckFeed. Oh, that, 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 that is definitely one of the values that we have, you know, in, yes. in, 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 inclusivity, uh, being real fine with just tangents. And also, if you give an animal a job, yay. Um, I don't know how you write that out, but if you give an animal a job, yay, is, uh, is, 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 is how that goes. It's on our coat of arms. Uh, you're right. Um, and these are, these are good, good birds, uh, that are cooing and all of that. And Jonas decides, well, we can't have them talking home, you know, to, to talk, talking with home base here. So I'm just going to, you know, snap their necks and also put them inside their pillows because fuck you. 
there are three of them. There are three pigeons, three boys, and one goes to one, and so on in kind. Um, so this is the equivalent of when the, uh, the, 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 the slasher monster cuts the phone line. They are all of a sudden yeah, without, uh, w- w- without the ability a, to get help. That is a very good analogy. Yeah. <laughs> so um, beyond just these QQ birds uh, uh, dying for no real reason outside of spite, um, that is the thing that is upsetting about this. And everything beyond that, um, and also Jonas finding the guns, is really just petty. Because he could have just like shown up and checked the, you know, checked for the guns and gone. But instead, he decides I'm going to piss on their clothes, slash up their beds, deface their books, uh, and also use a dog's tail to paint on the wall. Uh, what is it like? Go home, rich kids, or something like that. Yeah, uh, because clearly, a dog's tail is the only thing that you can paint words with. Oh yeah, you fucking monster <laughs> i i think it was more it was more to leave the dog's tail on the bed than than to actually yeah. like get, get, get the get the right kind of like brush stroke on it yeah i'm just i'm just <laughs> no. not down with that no i understand i'm bitter about it too yeah yeah uh, but but no like the whole like break in and like fuck shit up and steal stuff and gather intel and then disguise it as though it was vandals like you know like respect that's a thing like true true i mean totally. and and again everybody understands what everybody else is doing like roland knows immediately yes jonas did this you know they, they they find one of jonas's hairs here um he he did this to make us lose our cool right to to to, to draw us out into doing something stupid we can't act on this right now because it is not the time we cannot go to him on his terms goaded by this Yes. So, um, you know, it it is a good play on Jonas's part, right? Yeah. Except, <laughs> except what? What are you leading to? Uh, well, it 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 would have it would have been a perfect crime, except that we've got fucking. Oh yeah, we got a we we got a Elaine with his uh with a security yeah, got... camera mind. Yeah, we got Danny Tanner. <laughs> Yep, he uh, uh, gets a. I, I, I they don't call it this, but it, it would be a good way he, to say it. He, he gets, gets he gets the shin. Yeah, yeah, he gets a touch attack. Is what is, yeah. is what happens, which I think is a, a name of a Yoshi game for DS. Um, yeah, he gets a touch. That, attack, I like, really like that. Actually, <laughs> he says this is the strongest I've ever felt. It something is really really wrong at home. We need to go, and I love this too because Jonas understands that he's been caught. Like, you know, yeah. he, he knows exactly what happened. And uh, the, the, like, the, this line is great. You know, it says like, okay, like the thing that explains this is some form of in-world sorcery called the touch, but that is a tool of gunslingers, artists, and lunatics. Which checks out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I love the idea of the touch being a two-way street. Mm-hmm. That, that that you can tell you're being watched, and there's like there's precedence for this too because oh, um yeah be, because uh I mean Susan and not not only do the you know the, does the original the current Kata uh you know they're able to talk with each other without actually talking but like Susan was able to sense that somebody was watching them when she and Roland slept together for the first time right right and and I feel like there's there's reference to that in in other King books but i can't think of an example off the top of my head nor can i 
Uh, but I, I feel like that's something that is canonical in a larger sense as well. Yeah, yeah. That uh, if you're if, if you're sensitive, you can tell when somebody's feeling you out. Yeah. So. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah. Jonas. Jonas's whole shit gets fucked. Sort of. <laughs> kind of. Like he's he's um, st- he's still smart. Like he still plays it off as a vandal. You know, like uh, as a vandalism act, even though he knows. Yeah. You know, he he's he's, he's been spotted because. Yeah. You know, who knows? Like. When he finds their guns, you know, it's in a, it's, you know, it's in a hidden compartment beneath one of their beds, I think, um, you know, like he initially is worried that, uh, it's, you know, like he's going to find an actual gunslinger gun, you know, the true steel, the, uh, the, the, the bore, like a mine shaft is, uh, the yeah. way that he describes it. Fuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and look, he has this moment, like as he's unwrapping this pack, smelling this gun oil, thinking if I find those, the entire plan is is off because I'm taking these and running. Yeah, <laughs> I love that because we know, we, like, we know Jonas is a failed gunslinger, right? Like yes. that's that's his whole motivation. Is he was you know he failed the test and was kicked out. But and if he can find one of those, then then yes, that that changes everything. Like that becomes right. the new plan. He he he, uh-huh. he doesn't because all he finds is um, the uh, Roland's apprentice gun. And also the kind of the two kid guns, basically that uh, that uh, Elaine and uh, and Cuthbert have. But uh, it is yeah. enough for him to know, to understand that you know, yes, we are dealing with in-world kids, and yes, they are uh, gunslingers of a sort. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there's a really awkward scene with Shimi and Rhea. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> that I would really rather not spend too much time on. Yeah, we, we very uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, it just shows how depraved Rhea is and how much yeah. she 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 want you know is is committed to keeping people off balance because she may bring you know is terrified. He brings her the graph, um, and Rhea says, "Hey, take this letter to Cordelia Delgado if you can, and also if you take these mushrooms, I can look like whoever you want. Let's go get busy." Yep. Yeah. And that's all we need to do. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, under- so moving on. <laughs> moving, yeah. Um, it's, you know, Rhea's gross, um, has been gross yeah. the whole time. And this is, again, new heights, indoor depths of grossness, depending on what you, yeah. depending on how hey, you want to hey, do that. Hey, did you guys not pick up that Rhea's fucking gross? <laughs> Here you go. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> um, so, oh. yeah, they, the, 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 the content gets back. Their tent is all fucked up. Yeah. Cuthbert's yeah. pissed. Roland is defensive. Yeah. Um, it just kind of escalates. It's, um, it, it, it's all coming to a head. Like, yeah. Elaine basically like pulls Cuthbert aside and says, you're going to say something you regret. You're going to do something you regret. You need to go. Yeah. So he does. Yeah. Um, but not before saying like, you know, she has made you a coward. Yeah, which I I I feel like that's not a word that Roland responds well to. Nah, he's gonna try and prove you wrong. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah. so he he goes off to try and cool down. Yeah. Uh he runs into Shimi, gets the message that Rhea sent before she tried to Anyway. Yeah. Um yeah. no, like he he intercepts it. Like he says, Hey, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take this off your hands. You know, because no matter how much Rhea threatened you, it's more important that that not go where it's it's going to go. Yeah. Um, and 
let, let, let's actually talk about this because the, the, the scene with Farson's man is outside of the kind of like the dramatic arc of this. And I want to, I want to address it. Um, yeah, because the, the scene with the scene with Farson's man, essentially it, it just tells us that the man in black is here. Yeah. I want to talk about it because there are cool details, but like, I wanna... there, there are, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it cuts away. Man in black is here. cuts back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Cuthbert gets home and just fucking Dex rolling. Oh, he just lays him out. Like, just <laughs> real bad. Just, and it's so on, good. Come outside. I want you to see something. Kapow. It's uh, so satisfying. Yeah. Because Roland has been kind of a dick for a while. He absolutely has. And he realizes it too. Because, like, oh, you know, it's in, so good. You know, like, Roland has done some of his own thinking and says, like, ha, like I've been, have I been making decisions like a drunk baby? Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, Just you, you have Cuthbert. Cuthbert sucker punching Roland. It's like I like Cuthbert, but that scene makes me love Eddie even more. <laughs> Just because, like, that's that's what Eddie wants to do so badly, and he just doesn't have the history with Roland to have the confidence to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, also, but like, like, but yeah. he is right there. Yeah. Well, oh, tr tr true. Like Cuthbert has has Roland dead to rights. You know, he has oh, the letter that he handed no him, saying, "Like, hey, dipshit, you uh, want to see what you got us into?" Yeah, because this letter is pretty graphic. It's pretty damn. As far as these things go, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a little. It's, it's a little he's, bit uncomfortable. The, he's had every hole of her. Yes. Um, well, how, how right. do you like it? Um, uh, and, 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 not much. I don't. <laughs> that is more than I needed yep. to know. <laughs> there, 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 there's one of those that um, that seems a little, little adventurous. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. No, no, no shame. No, no, depending, no, I don't, I don't depending know how on do the things. time, depending on the time, too. <laughs> Yeah. I guess I, I don't know. I don't know, I don't how, know do how people. I don't, I don't know how people did things uh, I, I, back I, in midworld times. Right? Uh, uh, you know, like you, 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 you might, uh, you might swing a different. You know, just you might do things a little bit differently out here in the outer crescent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but if you're gonna um, say if you're gonna say every hole, there's one of those. Um, yeah. I assume that we're talking about the ear. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it, it's 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 oral sex. A U R A L. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's that is. Yep. Like not to not to yuck anybody's yum, but that's a little weird. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, we're just we come from a time and place. You know, they, yeah. those things were just different, you know. But like it just doesn't fit. <laughs> Wait, it doesn't? Does it? And <laughs> See that that, that 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 was a fun joke. That was that, that was a, <laughs> that was a fun joke that I made. Me too. Yeah, a, a, yeah, a joke. We were definitely both joking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> neither neither of us has ever tried to put our dick in someone's ear. Uh, you know, right. come on, never. Yeah, you know, I'm on. I'm kind of done with this goof. Yeah, me too. Cool. Um, um. So, <laughs> so so yeah, basically the, the the accusation and Cuthbert made it earlier. Um, uh, but uh, it it is especially true here. You've called your carelessness love and made a virtue of your responsibility. Like you have yeah. fucked up. You thought you were being careful. No, you were just, you know, just putting everything, everything in danger. You need to understand exactly what you have done. This is now a crisis and we need to deal with it. And to Roland's credit, he understands. He knows yes. that he has not been seeing clearly. And yes. he prostrates himself before Cuthbert and begs his pardon. Yeah. 
um, the you've called your carelessness love and made a virtue of irresponsibility is like if I was a more well-spoken human, I would <laughs> love to say that to a number of people that have been part of my life at various points, yep. including including my fucking self. Yep. It's a like, that is that is so perfectly phrased and it's 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 concise and conveys so much yeah it is a it is a great way to encapsulate a tendency that i think a lot of people uh a lot of people go go for yeah so um and yeah roland uh roland owns up yeah they they you know he understands like all right you know they 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 put the pieces together roland even compliments cuthbert on his uh on his left hook says (laughs) cuthbert's response is like (laughs) oh it's only really good if people don't know what's coming (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so it's not all together right like you know R- R- roland is willing to admit that he made a mistake um yeah but you know loving and susan like, wasn't one you know yeah uh, just, just the, the the compliment on cuthbert's left hook and then the the response it's like <sighs> that is that is such like an, an old close friends moment uh-huh hello comfort zone yeah like i've I have never been punched and would really like to keep that streak going, mm. but I can still kind of relate to that it's, a little bit. It's fun. I was punched over a bonfire once. I heard about that <laughs> on a podcast. Yep. I forget, I forget which one. It was real cool. Yeah. <laughs> I forget which one, too. Yeah, I, we, we really shouldn't have been kickboxing drunk. So. No. Um, Especially not outside while there was a although fire Although at the around. same time, absolutely yes. <laughs> unfortunately like in my in my fall um i exaggerated it and i ended up clearing it but that was very cool um let's talk about the man in black because you know rowan and cuthbert um you know the the cotet you know is is not really in internal jeopardy anymore they they, they're clarified by um oh gosh clarified by crisis that's how i wrote this here um <laughs> let's talk about the uh the the, the other content that we know the the big coffin hunters because roy de pape goes to jonas saying like hey uh you need to go see somebody at seafront um sh- it's shit's kind of fucked because it's you know it's not kimba it's one of it's one of latigo's men it's one of farson's men never seen him before but he looks like other people and he laughs like a dead person he looks like other people is one of my favorite descriptors (laughs) it's very good because it does describe this character we you know it's it's the man in black yeah Yeah, and and as soon as as soon as you get that you know who he's talking about but it's so weird and and (laughs) otherworldly And it it seems like a metaphor, but it's like like you know it's not kind of in the back of your mind. It's yeah. it's so good. It's and um, then I mean it's, it's, and then he's he just fucking shows up like a fucking psychopath. He does like you know like <laughs> he, he, Jonas knocks on the door and he says come in. Jonas walks into a room that is kind of seemingly empty. He looks around. Oh, there's nobody here. Where's that voice coming from? And then just all of a sudden, boo! I'm on your left shoulder. Hi. Um, I'm going to talk to you about whether or not, uh, whether, uh, uh, gosh, what's his name? Old Blue Eyes. Um, fuck. That that singer, you know, my way. Oh, Frank Sinatra. Yeah, whether or not Frank Sinatra is a better singer than some other dude. Um, you know, again, just kind of like, let's let's do our tight five on the man in black so we can understand that he's in play and associated with Farson. And also, 
um, some powerful being that uh, whose sigil is a uh, is is a uh, red eye. Wink, come, wink. come again with that word. Uh, it's it's pronounced sigils. Uh, you know, is it I, I, sigil? No, it's it's sigil. It's uh, okay. It's, yeah, okay. It's, it's sigil. But they spell it with a U here, and that throws me off. Yeah, his 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 sigil. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, you know, I, I've, I, I was know I was ever... looking at the show notes where you have it spelled like a sane person, <laughs> right? Um, um, also, I I totally forgot how it was spelled in the books, and I just got very confused for a second. Sigil's the way they pronounce the uh, the the city at the center of the Planescape universe, and so that sometimes fucks me up too. So, oh, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. So, um, gotcha. But you know. To prove that this that this guy is you know is is from Farson, he presents the sigil, which is you know this wild staring eye that uh, that even Jonas is afraid to touch. I love that uh, you know Farson's man, you know Walter he says, "Okay, call me Walter." Um, when he, when he first appears, he's got this you know he's he's got the hood up, he's got this real close shorn hair, and his teeth are filed away to points. But on second glance, he it's like none of that is true. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, wait a minute, weren't you just and like he's appearing to he's appearing to uh, uh to Jonas as um oh gosh, Court's dad, the one who, you know, he failed the trial for. You know, just yeah. just really fucking around with Jonas. And I don't understand why he's here. Aside, you know, like they like they they cut away before they get down to business, but like Walter's definitely here to say, yeah, we're going to need we're going to need we're going to need that ball back. If you if you can manage it, yeah, yeah, just you know, little little thing, little thing you're gonna need to do for this evil god, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a cool scene. Any other things that I'm uh, that that I'm forgetting about that? No, I don't think so. It's it doesn't serve a whole lot of purpose. It's just kind of badass. Yeah, it's like, hey, here's Walter. Remember? Yeah, <laughs> remember how he's great, and <laughs> you you missed him. Yeah, now we're gonna see it more later. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> so yeah, so, speaking of uh, fucking evil goddamn psychopaths, right? Uh, yeah. Back to Rhea. Yeah, because you know they enter. <laughs> um. Uh, uh. Roland and Cuthbert. They decide. Okay, this message came from Rhea. She obviously has a way to see us. Let's go pay her a visit, right? Um. And so in the early morning. They ride through the spooky Halloween nightmare town that is the you know Rhea's part of the coos. I, I love yeah, that even her I... scarecrow is a mutie. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. got, a, got like a hand sticking out of the chest and stuff. Like she's got a real sense of humor on her. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, she she's like. I'm not remembering what what going dim really entails. So that, that is explicitly something from the eyes of the dragon. Like it is. So given the magic of this universe, it is impossible for a person to be entirely invisible. Like that's just not the thing. However, you can produce such a glamor that you will not be noticed. And like there, like there are ways around it, you know, like you're basically hiding in plain sight, like immediately Roland understands like, yeah, she couldn't have gone somewhere. We would have, we, we, we would have seen it. So he starts looking for her out of the edge of his, out of the, basically his peripheral vision um, and sees her as like a little uh, like shimmer and knows like, yeah, you're here. I'm going to talk to you. Like 
Rhea never like straight up appears during this. She she just yeah. remains dim the whole time. So it yeah. is the same kind of the same kind of magic that uh that Randall Flagg uses in uh in the Eyes of the Dragon. Okay, see that's I I know that she like like going to, like it, it's making yourself unnoticeable, but I uh I have not read Eyes of the Dragon, yep. and I might have I might have skipped that episode of the podcast. It's uh it's quite good. Whoops. No, no, that, that's um, yeah, you're no, not going to I, I really, that's fine. I really need to, I, I need to like catch up, but I've, I've been like so behind on oh, all that, of my shows. I'm c- like c- come on, just man. sticking to like the tentpole Dark Tower books here. Yeah. Oh no, you, um, you, you don't need to, uh, you don't need to do a thing. No, 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 yeah. no need to apologize. I just, uh, um, that, that, that recommendation is more of you saying like, if you get a chance to read what is essentially like a really breezy children's book, that is a good way to do it because it actually cool. is, uh, it, it is really good. Okay. Yeah. I, I just, I couldn't remember if, if going dim is something that was explained earlier in this book or in no. a prior dark tower book. And I just wasn't remembering, but like, yeah. I, I realized reading through it this time, like, it's like, wait, I don't actually know what that means. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, so, okay, it's, cool. it's not from i mean it's not from this series directly like none of the mainline ones you can intuit what it is like right you know, like right, i can't look but, at you directly but i can yeah yeah <laughs> uh and so so now we come to the one moment where stephen king does that fucking thing he does where he makes you feel for the most <laughs> despicable person yeah because Roland gives an ultimatum like, hey, don't send another goddamn message or I'm going to come up here and snap your neck. Um, And she, in response, says, hey, my pet snake, you know, Aramont, not really my pet, my friend. Like, I've got I've got Muskie, but he's kind of a it's kind of a dipshit. I I really like my only friend in the world. Yeah. Also, basically, my fucking supply. He's my source because I drink his venom and he gets me crunk as fuck. Yep. Yeah. Um, (laughs) She says, like, hey, Aramont, go. And Roland, being Roland, draws and fires and kills this gigantic snake. It's like a Pokemon battle, but if it's one person chooses a snake and the other person just has a fucking gun. Right. Yeah, it's it's Ekans versus a human with a gun. Yeah. Yeah. Ekans, Ekans versus Luger. <laughs> right. Not Lugia, Luger. Luger, yes. Yes. Um, yes. So, um, yeah, Roland unloads. Hits so him. that happens, and it's like that that whole thing kind of plays out the way you'd expect, and it's like Roland gets the snake, and you're like, fucking yeah. Yeah, and Cuthbert's then, like, awesome, you did it. That was an amazing shot. I thought you were done for. And they go. Yeah. Like, Rhea has a, has good enough sense not to reveal herself, you know, to any more danger. They're gone. I know what you're leading to. Like, and then, she, she's distraught. And then, she's broken. Yeah, because he was her friend, and she, like, tries to revive him, which is, like way sadder than it should be because it's an evil witch and her fucking and her snake. killer snake <laughs> but it's like it's strangely touching uh-huh well and it's well, like Evan, uh, earlier in the episode we make so we made such a big deal about killing anonymous dogs and also killing these pigeons or whatever like yes but those dogs and pigeons were not attacking people <laughs> True. this was a venomous snake trying to kill roland who he killed in self-defense evan that That's snake a had a family sort of <laughs> i don't think he did <laughs> i mean it was Rhea. so and, well yeah. yeah he had an a family that consisted of one evil witch yeah yeah no i i, I know what you're saying and i'm not actually offering like, a defense of Rhea. she's she's obviously gotta go but like it's it's pretty sad to see you know like to to, to see somebody really distraught about the death of their pet like 
okay, let's let's reframe this. In the context of Rhea, who seems so unaffected by everything, like she's not even like capable of arousal really. That's, you know, being able to like be a voyeur into people's, you know, sex lives or whatever with this uh with this orb, you know. Um, yeah. you know, completely disaffected, completely above everything. To see her <laughs> and to realize that she was so emotionally invested and vulnerable in this one particular way, to understand how profound that loss that she is feeling from this, like it is uncomfortable, but like, yeah, okay, like th- this is the one thing that she actually cared about, and now shit's getting real because Roland took it away from her. Yep. And real shit does get. Yeah, it's it's the last straw. Like she tries to revive it, does incantations, you know, too, it's too far gone, and she swears revenge. I love this oath that she makes. You, your screams will break your throats. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the end of this chapter, and we're going to yeah. go on. Uh, the next section is going to go up through the chapter called The Ashes. Um, Evan, do you have any final thoughts on this uh, on this particular run of the Come Reap section of this book? I, I really don't like it's I, I do like Wizard and Glass and I feel like the pacing has issues and I feel like it's it's kind of gets bogged down in in itself and and all of that. But I do really enjoy this story and I really enjoy this like kind of window into the world that was yep. and and this insight into who Roland is and how he became that. Mm hmm. Uh, because the the adolescent Roland that we get in this story, um, just just knowing, like, spoiler alert, kids, it ends badly. Yeah. Um, that explains so much of who he is and why he's as, like, obsessively guarded about his emotions as he is and and so much else. Like, it's it's really, really amazing from a character development point of view. Um, I mean, I said it earlier in the episode, but like Susan at this point is his tower. Yeah, absolutely. And he's every bit as fanatical as a teenager as he is when we meet him at the beginning of the story. Mm -hmm. But the focus is very, very different. Yes. Uh, And also, I, I love... Cuthbert and Elaine, and I wish that we got more of them somehow yeah. throughout the series without necessarily always being flashbacks. Right. Um, they're in the comics. Like when we talk about like the long road home and the Battle of Jericho yeah. Hill and stuff like that. And I, I keep I keep meaning to try to track down the comics and you can get them for like twelve dollars on Amazon. Like the yeah, in, in, in trade paperback. That's that's probably what I need to just do. Like I keep checking online and libraries and stuff because yeah, i'm yeah. uh lazy and cheap oh yeah that's un- that's understandable yeah whoops <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no like i i need to just get those because like i i've wanted to read them for so long there's not really any excuse mm-hmm. yeah they're i mean they're, they're real breezy too like they're they're the regular kind of like trade paperback 40 minute read kind of thing yeah totally i don't know i don't know that they're great like we're probably going to talk about the problems with them when we get there but um they do fill in some holes and you get more time with you know cuthbert and elaine yeah 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 and that's good i mean like that's my takeaway from this as well this is a little bit of cuthbert shining moment like elaine's um shining moment comes later and it's one particularly glorious and violent scene um but um, yeah <laughs> under understanding you know the, the the kind of texture 
of the relationship between Roland and Cuthbert. Like, I think that is a little bit of the emotional core of this book that has, you know, a, a few emotional cores. That makes no sense. You can't have more than one core. Um, but it's a very inter- interesting side. And again, you know, to repeat myself, to see how that fraternal love butts up against the romantic love, that is something that doesn't happen incredibly commonly. Yeah. Especially in genre fiction. So it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's good to, uh, it's good to get to see it. Um, yeah. You know, and, and also to watch them kind of like rally and return to some semblance of professionalism, which they're going to kind of be in for the rest of the book. You know, yeah, they, they've gone through the storm and now they're going to uh, be the young gunslingers that they are. Yeah, because that's that's really the cool part about this flashback segment of Wizard and Glass is just like. When when they are working well, mm-hmm. it's a it's a machine. Right. And it's really, really cool. Uh, the way that King kind of like lays everything out and like, it it doesn't feel like he's staying a step ahead of the reader. It's more like half a step Mm -hmm. where like, you can kind of see where things are going. If you're, if you're really looking. Right. Uh, but you've just got these characters who are, are being very true to who he's developed them to be. Um, in scenarios operating at the the peak of who they are. Yeah. We're going to get to it. I'm, I'm, I'm really thinking like... back on that and I'm not totally sure if those words make a ton of sense. No, but, it, 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 um, it makes a lot of hopefully sense. Hopefully it I, I will know, in the next episode. I, I, I know what you're getting to. Like when, yeah. when, when, when this flashback comes to a climax, it is a hell of a climax. We've been, we've yes. been alluding to it, you know, for all of these episodes, like yeah, the, 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 the there's a lot of heat, but no light at this point, there's going to be a yeah. shitload of light. Yes. Yeah. Um, one thing that I would like to mention, um, I mentioned this off air, I think on one of the, the very, very first episodes of this show. Um, I, I don't think that we've come across the term char you tree yet. Yeah, we have. have. We? Um, it's been, have we? Okay. it's been brought up in, um, the revised version of gunslinger. Oh, that's, that's right. Um, so I have, uh, an almost three year old, who um, loves Dora the Explorer, and there is a character in Dora the Explorer who is the chocolate tree. Okay. Uh, you know, a tree upon which chocolate grows. So it because... is not a tree made of chocolate. It is a, It is a tree that produces chocolate. Correct, yes. And it also naturally talks and sings and has a personality and is a friend, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I have... This this vivid and chilling memory of reading the gunslinger for one of the first episodes of Radio Free Midworld while Oliver was watching Dora and all of the characters were yelling uh, about the their friend, the chocolate tree and the way that they were yelling and the cadence in which they were yelling and the fact that it was multiple voices filtering, filtering through like down a hallway and around a couple corners. It sounded like a bunch of children's voices chanting char you tree. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Calling for, calling for a Joan of Arc kind of situation. Oh my God. It was so unsettling. (laughs) And I have been waiting for a wizard and glass episode to just kind of, mention that because um 
that's a hell of a thing to sit with for a long time. <laughs> that's very unsettling. It's very yes. unsettling to, 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 to hear <laughs> Dora and her friends calling for the summary ritual execution in a harvest ritual. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it really is. Um, I, I said ritual twice in that. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm very, you know, tired. I didn't even notice. Yeah, it's fine. I think, I so, think that so, so somebody I think did. You, I just wanted to own up to it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I hope, I hope it was you and not me. And then you're taking the blame for, for me saying it. No, it was me. It was, it was, it was definitely me. Don't worry. Oh, okay. Okay. That's yeah. good then. Hey, Evan, where can people find you on the internet? On the internet? I am on uh, Twitter at Mr. Underscore harder, all spelled out, all spelled the normal sort of way. Um, you can just kind of find my other shit from there. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm on all of the major social networks. I'm not terribly active on any of them. Um, Twitter is kind of the one that I'm the I, I care the most about, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not on there all the time, but when I when I'm on Twitter, I kind of try to be a little more thoughtful. So that's the one I'd like to put forward. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, that makes sense to me. Yeah, and uh, other than that, uh, if you're on Instagram, you should check out. Uh, very good serial reviews. It has been dormant for a while, but um, I, I think that there might be some uh, holiday resurgence. <laughs> there might be some movement. Yes. yes. So uh, very check, good. Check that out if you will. Serial reviews. Yes. All yeah. all one word. All one tag. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, it's a very very special Instagram about breakfast cereals. <laughs> a subject near and um, dear to a lot of people's hearts. Yeah. Cole, where are you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Cole Ross. Um, also on other shows on the duckfeed.tv network. If you're listening to this on early release, you still have time to tune in for Duckstream. Our, yes. um, uh, it is our charity live streaming video game event uh, that we do to uh, um, benefit the Transactive Gender Center out of Portland, Oregon. Um, it is 48 hours. Consider consider watching that. Um, if it, if you're listening to this on the public feed, unfortunately, it's too late. Um, go back and watch the uh, go back and watch the archives and whatever. It's 48 hours, but if you pop around, you're going to see cool stuff. Um, yeah, the archives are pretty fun. If if you're hearing this in time, absolutely watch it live. Uh, hop on the chat. I've I've been in the live stream, not on it, but in it, and mm -hmm. just kind of. Uh, bas basically just heckling Brayton uh, <laughs> every year, and it is it's so much fun. And and what these guys do is is really really great. And mm -hmm. the amount of money that they've been able to raise for for the Transactive Gender Center is really really inspiring and fantastic. And thank you guys for for doing that. Yeah, the the amount of people the amount of money that people have been willing to, uh, to to chip in has I you know I know by the numbers made a tremendous amount of difference for this you know, relatively small nonprofit organization. Um, yeah. yeah, it is, it is a good cause that we b believe in quite a bit. Uh, and it's a good time. Like, you know, even if you just want to watch oh, yeah, and chat, and it stuff. is, it is really fun. <laughs> it <laughs> is, it is just a very fun time to, to hang out on the internet, get, get, get to watch us be loopy and participate in a fun, in a fun chat. Like for yeah. 48 hours is, is enough time for an ad hoc culture to form. <laughs> um, like the, like the, the, there are memes that live and die within that. True. Uh, oh, actually, uh, speaking of that, Cole, I have some sad news. Mm -hmm. uh, Cole Ross and why did Cole kill dot us 
have both expired. Ah, dang. Uh, I, um, it's a, it, it was a really funny joke. I, I don't yeah. know that I that I'm going to mourn the passing. No, I was not going to spend twenty dollars on the renewal for either of those. Nah, nah, nah. Like fine. three, four bucks. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll drop well, that well, on a goof. Three, four bucks. What is this? A dot info? Come on. <laughs> Actually, yes. Um, <laughs> oh, true. Yeah, for, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, last last year, uh, for some reason, people started saying that Cole was a serial killer i guess i was playing a survival horror game and i think people really leaned into that side of it um yeah i don't i don't totally know how it started i came in kind of like in the middle of that joke yeah uh, I, I, was... I i i missed it too i, I missed the genesis <laughs> so the fact that i had yeah. to deal with that for 24 hours was <laughs> yeah it was it was it was very it, it was mildly entertaining mm-hmm. uh and and with with apologies to cole the fact that Cole was just profoundly uncomfortable with it <laughs> yeah. uh, made the entire thing very, very funny. Oh, I mean, yeah, and for so sure. I registered <laughs> two different custom domains <laughs> that redirected to, uh, I think one of them was to Bonfireside Chat and the other one was to Hexcrank. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking so. of Hexcrank, if you can't tune into that, like we stream all the time now. Like we have. Three, oh, yeah. Yeah, we have, we, have, we have three different streaming shows. I'm going to start up some more. Um, if you like watching yeah. people play video games and hopefully say, I, I just, but, I just ordered a hex crank shirt. Oh, cool. Thank you. I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. I like that logo an awful lot. Yeah. It's real cool. It's yeah. uh, minimalist and spooky. <laughs> yeah. But I play, uh, I, I play horror games for fun on the internet and talk and people watch. Yeah. It's, it, it, um, it's a good time. Yeah. It's, it's exactly like, um, like, uh, the, the, the PewDiePie. <laughs> It's just like yeah, that. If, if you've seen PewDiePie, it's it's that. It's, it's very it's much like that. that. Um, you know, lots of lots of screaming and yelling, and the occasional uh, ethnic slur. Oh, of course, yeah, I'm, a lot of I'm troublesome kidding. concepts. It is, it is fucking nothing like that. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little bit more reserved than that. Um, it's it's very fun. Yeah. Um, but check uh, out everything Duckfeed. Check out literally everything Duckfeed. You'll probably like some of it. If not, <laughs> yeah, we're, 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 we're uh, spreading our wings. There's a yeah. the, the, there's definitely a broader offering than there was uh, a while ago. Um, yeah, yeah, if you want to help the show in particular, iTunes ratings, ratings and reviews are always helpful and appreciated. Um, otherwise, just tell your friends if they are interested in the series. Uh, say, hey, this is a cool companion. Uh, word of mouth is kind of kind of what we're working with. Uh, this has been a long admin section, so I'm going to cut it off. Um, thank you, Evan. For uh, for, you, for hopping on and talking about this uh, cool section of the book, thank you, audience, Absolutely. for listening. We're we're going to be back in two weeks. Again, that's going to go up through the chapter called um, uh, "The Ashes." But otherwise, until then, long days and pleasant nights. Mm-hmm.